Take the guesswork out of your cannabis shopping with the ECS DNA kit by Endocana Health. If you take pride in your canna nerdiness or are just canna curious, this kit empowers you to find more about the best cannabis choices. Right now, you can save 25% off your DNA test at endodna.com using promo code POD25. Your purchase includes the Endo DNA Collection Kit, Endo Decoded Report, personalized cannabinoid and terpene suggestions, and Endo Align products matching in your state. There will also be suggested dosage guidelines and optimum methods for inhalation or usage. Once you know your personal ECS data, you can shop Endo supplements tailored specifically for you. And right now, Endo DNA is celebrating their new patent with a buy one, get one offer on their Afika soft gel lineup. And since I know that many of you struggle with sleep, I want to highlight Afika Unwind, created to support health sleep cycles using patented proprietary formulations of hemp-derived CBD, terpenes, and essential oils. If sleep is eluding you, sweet dreams are in your future. Buy one for yourself and get one for a friend at endodna.com. And don't forget promo code POD25 at the checkout for 25% off your DNA test kit. We like to consider ourselves the cheers of cannabis. When we opened up, we stayed very grounded to our customer base. I worked in there. My partners worked in there. We did the register. We did everything. This is The Cannamom Show, a podcast chronicling the inspiring stories of real women in the emerging cannabis industry. Your host, Joyce Gerber, mom, lawyer, political activist, has been speaking with women from coast to coast and around the world who are leaders in the revolution of cannabis and caregiving, continuing on her mission to lift up the stories of the women creating the cannabis industry by sharing their canna stories with you. So go make yourself a cup of tea or roll yourself a joint, sit back and learn something new about this magical plant on The Cannamom Show with Joyce Gerber. From the Tip O'Neill Studios in North Cambridge, Massachusetts, it's the Cannamom Show. Now here's your host, Joyce Gerber. Welcome back to the Cannamom Show. I'm Joyce Gerber, and we are so grateful you are joining us today as we continue on our mission of crushing the stigma around cannabis and caregivers, one can of story at a time. So Dave, happy spring. I know it doesn't feel like it. Yeah, well, it seems like we've had a day here or there and then a day that's not so good. But uh, that's the New England weather. If you don't like it, just wait a minute. Wait, and I have sunshine in your basement like I do with my grow my own. <laughs> how are the how are he and she doing? So my boy plant, we removed him from the the safe cozy interior world to the outside world and he seems fine and the girls are they're close to harvest time. So yeah, that's getting close. We're going to be there maybe in a couple of weeks, which is good because I'm going to be taking a couple of weeks off people, not in May because my daughter's graduating. So there won't be a, a few weeks where there won't be any new episodes, but I think we'll be filling in right with the goods interviews, Dave. Yeah, we've got some, we've got some excellent stuff recorded at the goods dispensary in which, which square is it in? Davis Square? Davis Square in Somerville. Okay. So yes. you'll miss me. Well, I'll be on them, but it won't be all about me. So all right, so that's in the middle of May, so I'll be harvesting. So when I get back, I have I can show them to you. I'm excited. I harvest. Well, when you say that, when they're ready to go, is there a trick to harvesting them? Or I'm just picking you pluck them out and then you 
stick them in a bag and grind them. You have to dry them and cure them. There are many steps, just like raising children. So, you know, you think you're done and you're never quite done. Even this graduation from college, I might never be done, but I've become a consultant. That's what my sister reminded me. Now that my girl's 21, I'm really a consultant. Yes. (laughs) And it's a full-time job, I'm told. Yeah. And the reward is they acknowledge you. It's awesome. All right. (laughs) It might say thanks. That's it. But no, the plants, once they are done, we cut them down. We take off the big leaves and we let the plant dry out. So again, we'll be using the basement area for the drying. And then once they're sufficiently dry, which should be about the time I'm gone and come back, I'll put them into little jars and I'll cure them and they'll be ready to smoke. Cool. Or consume or bake with or whatever. People, we can use it many, many different ways. That's right. And then will you do it again? Or or has it been too much of a labor of love? No, no. I I feel like, again, kind of like parenting. The beginning was really hard. I didn't know what I was doing. I thought this is going to be how it would be forever with babies and crying and poop and all that. But no, now I'm at the end of my journey and there's still some work involved. You're not always free, but it's not the same. So it's long ago, remind me how long ago this started. I mean, I really, I took the start of the course. So people, again, if you're interested, Asia Atwood through Trella Technology is doing the grow your own. So grow our own. And I started in January with the class and I set up the, I had all my shopping done and I set up my grow facility by the middle of February and started germinating. And now it's May, almost May, and I'll be harvesting soon. So that's yeah, that's a, a, a few months. It's a few months. It's not too bad. They gave me someone to visit during the winter to go to the basement. It was great. <laughs> Did you give them names? No, I didn't, but they oh. do have little markers on them. They're colored fabric because, you know, that's me. All right. And we do have to get to our guests, but one more thing. So I have these awesome little joint holders that were sent to me from this woman in Maine. They're called clip ease, I believe. They're handmade. I know you can't see them. I always do this. They're little wooden holders and they're different sizes. They look like they have certain qualities of chopsticks, but then they're, they're, yeah. they're how do you put that? They're, they come together, the two chops. Like look, a claw. Like like, a, I like, oh, 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 I just broke one. Oops, sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> you meet their gentle. They're, anyway, okay. they're pretty. Anyway, yep. so if you're looking for something unique for Mother's Day, something interesting, clip ease by Lorraine Stanley. She says they're superior. How are we, how are we spelling clip ease? K L I P E A Z. Clip ease. Clip ease. Okay. And she calls them superior smoking accessories for the discerning adults. They are fancy looking. They're cool. They're pretty. And they're like a little elegant. You can, your friends can sit around. And again, a joint holder is good if you don't want your fingers to smell like anything afterwards. I know mm, that's good point. Everybody in my world is afraid of smell. So, I mean, you'll be smelling like smoke, but whatever. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And then before we get to today's guest, let's do a little culture corner and then we'll move on. The culture corner. All right. So this week I'm talking about Judy Bloom. Judy Bloom, Dave. Of course. Yeah. So Judy Bloom is 85. And I just wow. listened to an interview with her with Terry Gross on Fresh Air. And she's got a new documentary called Judy Bloom Forever on Amazon. And I already watched it because. I'm a Judy Bloom fan. It was so good. One of the first books I ever read was uh, a Judy Bloom book. Now I'm forgetting what it's called because I'm confusing it. I also read Essie Hinton, which was a similar ilk. Well, they're, I mean, these are coming of age. We're similar age. So these, I mean, the big one is, so remember, Are You There, God? It's me, Margaret. I'm yeah. a big one with my generation. Yep. So there's never been a movie adaptation because she was never gave the rights up. But there, there is one now. It's on Apple TV. So she's having a comeback. And did you know that she is one of the most banned authors in America? Yeah, it makes sense these days. Yeah, that's insane. 
Oh, by the way, I was going to say, I was going to say the book I read was called Then Again, Maybe I Won't. And then I thought maybe I was confused. But that indeed, that is a Judy Bloom book written from the side of the boy, the, the teenage boy. And uh, she captured the boy pretty well. So I'm a fan. She's amazing. I mean, she was very prolific. She was very young when she was doing these books. Yeah. And she really progressed as a storyteller, as a writer into grown-up books. And I don't know, she's a creative with a voice and an opinion who kind of changed the how stories are read by children, really. And mm. what you can tell children, even though they're being banned. So whatever, they're back. You can't ban stuff, people. We're done with that censorship. You can't keep a good story from people. That's why storytellers are so powerful people listen well she she's such an important <laughs> voice when you and i were of that age joyce because you, you i mean and the reason why she probably got banned by some was because she did talk about sex and things but i mean you're a teenager it's on your mind and so and but it was it dealt with in a mature way it was and it was it kind of said things to you that your parents might not say to you so go judy bloom yeah exactly and again transparency cannabis yeah. and it does actually come back to cannabis because I'm like a rabbi now. I can bring everything back to cannabis. Right. One of the first scenes in this documentary, she has a bookstore. She owns a bookstore in Key West, Florida. It actually sells banned mm. books. She has a proud title out there. But when you walk in, in the first scene, you walk by a display and it's how to cook with weed. Really? Yeah. And she said it's very popular. Not her book, but she. she oh, the section, the section of the bookstore oh. is called how to cook with weed in it's a very popular section of her bookstore in Key West if you're down there and you want to check it out and support Judy Bloom and ban books because books shouldn't be banned. Words are powerful. That's the Canon Mom uh, uh, PSA for today. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's move on to today's guest. All right, today's guest. She is a successful entrepreneur and industry leader in the cannabis, healthcare, and nonprofit sectors. She is Nevada's first African American woman cannabis dispensary owner top notch the health center in las vegas she's a board member of a board member with doctors for cannabis regulation the first national organization of doctors to endorse legalization of adult use cannabis and currently serves on the nevada cannabis compliance board's cannabis advisory commission and its subcommittee on social equity diversity and inclusion she was named a 2022 cannabis leadership award winner by the cannabis business times today's guest is a las vegas native and founder of the Ogden Family Foundation, a nonprofit organization which provides health, wellness, and education programs for the underserved populations in South Nevada. And of course, she's a mom of two. Please welcome to the Canon Mom Show, Kima Ogden. Welcome, my friend. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm excited. All right. So you're a superstar Canon entrepreneur. I'm excited to talk to you. Can you just share with us your why? Why is this what you started and or how did this journey start? Yeah, no, that's over 10 years ago. I owned a gym. I was in the health and wellness industry already. Had a nonprofit that focused on health and education and wellness programs for underserved population, underinsured adults and children. And when cannabis started coming online in, in the United States, I, I really didn't know it was where it was at in, in Nevada, but I just knew this plant had been helping people and I started doing some research. I had family members that were dealing with different elements, cancer, pain management type thing, like extreme pain issues, things like that. And so I started doing a lot of research and being in the health and wellness field already, holistic care is really important as well to me. So finding alternative ways 
to um, medicate yourself. Like, for example, I had a, a, a program called Fit Fitness Integrated Therapy. So people would come and we would do health and wellness workshops and then we would put them through a workout and things like that just so they have a holistic way to help themselves. Right. And so and, uh, during that research process and things, I, I really realized this in, this plant really can help people. And as I started to see what that process was like to get into the industry, of course, I realized it was like capturing a unicorn. But that's, that's a very nice way of putting it. And, and and you're a unicorn trying to capture a unicorn. Uh, and again, like the idea that you're in this space, and we talk about this constantly on, on this show of how complicated it is and why is it so expensive and all the regulations and coming in. But I love how you're coming into this because, and we talk a lot about health and wellness, but again, it's integrated. It's you're not just being able to see a doctor. It's lifestyle. It's how you and how you what you eat, what you consume. And cannabis, I always say, is an option. So so you're working with even doctors. So do you want to talk about how? Kind of the doctors for cannabis regulation kind of shares into your story and how you convince people that this is something good for a holistic person. Absolutely. I mean, I got into the space on the medical sense first. Obviously, we went medical. I'm part of a wellness clinic, nonprofit community clinic, a community outreach medical center, and we help the same population of people that need it the most. We have we deal with a lot of patients that have high risk diseases and things like that, like HIV hepatitis, just a lot of different things of that nature that cannabis can really help. So it was really important to me to stay on the medicinal side of this because the truth of the matter is it is medicinal. I don't really care what you use it for, but even if you don't think you're using it for that reason, you might just want to relax when you get home. Either way, it's doing something to help you and it helps you internally, whether you like it or not. So- I, I feel like we should really never get away from the fact that it's medical. So finding a group of medical professionals that actually really believed in legalizing, regulating it properly, making sure it's safe to consume, and standing behind it from a clinical sense, I, I felt was very powerful. I mean, who else should really back this up but doctors? Oh, um, actually, again, and I say this, I don't know anything about the human body. And this is a science. This isn't a belief system. And we are talking more and more about the studies of it to get that to the molecular level, the biology, the chemistry of it. But your your physician understands, again, how your body works and how medications work and how this could work together. That's a really, that's powerful to have that voice who could, who appreciates it and understands it and isn't, I guess, frightening you because a lot of people are, are afraid to tell their doctors. So, yeah. And the thing I loved about this organization was that the doctors were really on the forefront of this, which which means when it was really frowned upon, to right. even, a lot of medical professionals were afraid to talk about this for fear of losing their license or still having the stigma of and not the education. Right. And, and these doctors on this on Doctors for Cannabis Regulation Board, they are very educated in cannabis. They they've done their research. They've they've been out speaking about it they put their selves on and their reputations on the line Mm -hmm. um, to stand behind something they truly believe in so I mean it was a no-brainer for me I'm not a medical professional so for them to ask me to to partake in this board was an honor for me because I was like who the hell am I I'm just this this person is so accomplished this person is so accomplished in the medical space that it was it was just a no-brainer for me. I, I I was very honored to be a part of this group of people that have been advocating for this for a long time 
and and still really is accomplished and do great things in the community. And so what are they, so are they talking to other doctors? Are they talking to groups? Like how are they working with the community? Again, I've talked to quite a few nurses. I think I know one Dr. Bridget Williams I know personally, but I don't know that many doctors. And I, don't, I was just wondering how they're working. And are they working with, so I know this is an issue with medical schools and even nursing schools still not talking about what the endocannabinoid system is or the whole regulatory system. Do you know, are they doing that kind of work as well, going into medical schools, trying to get this, like nurses are trying to get it on their curriculum? Well, we work with a lot of organizations and, and advocacy groups for education. We do a lot of testifying in legislation. Right. We do a lot of supporting bills. So we talked about your work with the doctors and how they're trying to work with issues, policy. Let's just talk about Las Vegas. That's your area of expertise. So you're a Las Vegas stand-up. You have your business there. I don't know. Do you want to talk about really what you see there? Or do you, maybe you want to talk about the consumption lounges or what's unique about Vegas and what do you think is going to, what's going on there that makes it kind of an interesting place? I know you're in the medical. So in the medical, maybe the how the story, again, I see this across the country, medical and adult use or recreational or retail or whatever we call it, how they're kind of almost... I don't know, they're kind of pushing medical out. So maybe that's the story too there about what's happening with the medical program. Well, well, we started medical and then we, we did go to recreational as well because we had that license in 2017. Okay. So we, we both, but we, but like I mentioned, because we're really still focused on patients and medical programs and things like that, we still um, put patients first we they come in they have it they don't wait in the same line they get different prices things like that and we we try to give them discounts and stuff like that so we really still promote that and that makes us unique because like you mentioned a lot of people are really not focused on the medical piece at all there's not a huge benefit for them to do it so they don't and a lot of people really don't care to go get their medical cards and things of that nature because they don't have to to anymore unless they want to save money and get those discounts and things like that, which some people do, but some people don't really want to waste the time. They feel like it's wasted time to go through the process. But so we still focus on that. Nevada is a great market. We are probably one of the most sought out markets in the cannabis industry, along with some of the major cities that are coming online. Nevada did a really good job at setting regulations up there. We are very regulated, almost over, overly regulated, but it is, it is everywhere. It's treated like plutonium. I keep saying that. It's like, <laughs> that's the truth, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Like it came from a whole nother planet. Yeah. So yeah, we, they did a good job at setting the, the standards because a lot of states kind of follow our lead a little bit in our air, especially in our area. And they, we just are keeping things moving. We did get the consumption lounge license. Tell me, tell me about that then. Okay, so I live in Massachusetts. It was part of the original bill. Consumption lounges, they're still not here. A big controversy in Massachusetts and I think other parts of the country is it's smoking. Like we've outlawed smoking everywhere, which my 21-year-old daughter is explaining. I'm like, we would go to clubs and everyone smoked inside and then everything smelled, but we don't do that anymore. So having a place where you want to consume has been an issue and I don't know. So how are you working that? What's that going like? Like I've been to private events where they consume outside, which is lovely, but how are they working with the consumption lounges and what's the idea behind them there? Well, it's it's still very new. We're still trying to figure out some of the regulations and things that we have to comply with. Still in the development stages of having to open up consumption lounge. So 
is still very early. What I can say right now is they're still over-regulating a lot of things that are seem very unnecessary. Like they're talking about, we have to give rides or have Uber access or... In Las Vegas, where there's drinking 24-7? They hand you a drink as soon as you put a quarter in the slot machine. They don't have to have transportation from the casinos or anywhere. But we they have we have to and 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 they're also making it where they can't consume. They have to you have to have a se- separate section in the, your own lounge for consumption. It's not the whole area, so it's weird. It's it's just stuff like that that makes it almost impossible. To so, again, the more friction you create, the harder it is to do something. And again, cannabis consumption. Oh my god! The idea that Las Vegas, Las Vegas. Is even doing this. So interesting. I mean, what do you, if, if you could do this yourself, what do you think a consumption lounge should look like and what would be the best practices if you could, if you can make up all the rules? Yeah. I mean, if I can make up the rules, it would just be go to Canada, go, go somewhere where they had, they've had them for a long time. You just walk in, show your ID and consume whether they have it there or you bring it, whatever their prop, their process is. But you know, having to go into a consumption lounge and then have a whole nother back room for consuming in that other area, you can't consume. It's just, it's just strange. So I think that just let it, allowing people to come in there freely, consume, leave them alone, leave the damn near leave us alone. Like it's okay to regulate it, test it. Do all the things you need to do. Make sure we're putting all of our systems in place for best practices, but allow us to be a, a regular business as well. I feel like you're coming in there and you're damn near how on lockdown. Like you got to yeah. Hector get padded down on the way out. Like I don't know. It's just it's just too much. I, again, everybody's doing this, and I keep hoping like either got state to state. It just seems like each state is copying each other and the bad practices. So again, this isn't plutonium. It isn't really dangerous. I took a reporter from a local magazine to a dispensary a couple of weeks ago who had never been to one, was so excited and was like surprised at how nice it was. But it is a bit of a putchkey to get through inside and out. And I'm like, like if we just had this many regulations, it was many, but it's enough for gun purchases. Why can't we even do this? Why don't you have to check an ID twice? Why don't you have to go through and exit another thing? Why don't you have to use cash? Whatever. So we know how to re- regulate stuff really well. I think we're all overboard with cannabis and your on the forefront, you're a pioneer. So you're doing what you can to make it better. Let's talk just a bit about, let's just talk about your top notch. Let's talk about what, what the dispensary looks like, who you're attract. There's a, I've been to, I was in Vegas in 2019. So I know there's a lot of variety. So let's talk about where you are and who you're serving and how you're really serving the, a population that, again, this is an expensive product. So a lot of it is being marketed at a certain level, but this is medicine for people. And we could especially for seniors. We could get them off a lot of the pharmaceuticals and other things like you talk for your whole body if we could integrate this into their system. So how we talk about your dispensary and how you're working with the community. Yeah. So we are kind of off the beaten path. We're not on the strip. We're about 15 minutes from the strip. Very easy to get to us, but we don't normally cater to tourists. A lot mm-hmm. of these out here do. We actually like to consider ourselves like the cheers of the cannabis industry, because, you know, when we opened up, we stayed very grounded to our, our customer base. I worked in there. My partners worked in there. We were, did the register. We did everything. A lot of these owners, they're, they're big money people. They come throw a lot of money at this. 
and they don't step foot in there. They don't even know um, the consumer. They know they don't know anything about the industry. Sometimes I don't even use the product, which makes me crazy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so they don't really know. They're not tapped in. We were very much like that. So we, we, when when I say we were like the cheers because we knew everybody's name, we know what they like. We know what what's going on in the in the community. We stayed very focused, like I said, on the medical patients as well. And I have a, a nonprofit that I had even prior to opening the cannabis, going into the cannabis space, and I stayed very grounded to my community service. We do a lot of we adopt we adopt families for the holidays. We do a lot of programs for the community for health and wellness pieces. We have a health fairs. We give. We do a veterans program and a program for underserved population that needs medical cards. And then we give them discounted products and education piece and workshops and all that stuff. So we we really stayed focused on the community, never got away from who helped us get there and what this is all about. The cannabis industry is people forget, but especially back in 2014 and early on, man, this is a movement. Right. We really and it still is, but mm-hmm. a lot of people started getting into the industry, making money, and they forgot about that. And the truth is this is a movement all the way around, not only to legalize the plant and do what's right for patients, but also the people who were most affected by the war on drugs mm-hmm. from start to finish. It's yep. a movement. And people need to keep that in mind. And we did. And top notch. That's why I think we've been so successful. We've been able to compete with some of the major competitors in town because we stayed so true to ourselves and what we know. And we're the original. I have two partners. We're the original owners. We never sold the big corporation. We never we never got out of the community. We stayed right in it with them. My, My partner's there every day. He runs operations. He's on the grill floor. We meet all the time. We go over the business, what people like. So just staying in tune and touch with your with your customers, with people, patients, and what they want and what they need, what helps them. It's about the consumer. That's what's going to change the world. All right, let's do a big flip. Let's talk about your family. What was your family's reaction to your decision to work in this area, specifically your dad, who I had just learned passed recently. So I'm very sorry for your loss, but it's always these funny stories, these kind of connections to what brings you here. So just kind of how did that work out? Yeah, my dad was a drug and alcohol counselor years ago. And back when they told you marijuana was a gateway drug. And when I first, and my dad has been in the health and wellness industry as well for a long time. He was a big part of why I helped the clinic and work in the clinic and stuff that I do today. And so initially, when I started looking into this industry, looking into what the plant does, I was the most afraid to tell him because of the drug and alcohol background that he had from his prior career path. And so I just kind of threw it out there to him like, hey, what do you think of, of this? And and what I didn't know is that he was already kind of looking into it and had some education about oh, it. Oh, really? And things. And so he was like, well, shoot, I wish I could do it. If I could, I would. I was like, oh, shoot, that's all you had to say. So it was a relief to know that he was so innovative in his mind and his thought process already. And being older from the old school ways of people teaching him that it was a gateway drug, telling me that as a child, 
Oh yeah. Uh, and 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 then him having some history in that with drug and alcohol the sector of all of that and what that yep. does well and because a lot of people regardless they still frown upon it especially if you have a past with drug and alcohol abuse yep. so because there's just not enough education out there and what's been happening and what cannabis actually does do for people coming off drugs and stuff right. like that again so, it's, a ba- it's a bad story we're told a really bad story and now people are healing themselves and healing people they love and they're like these very strong connections are changing the story it's very powerful yeah so it changed it changed everything when when i knew that and i also knew my grandma very religious person she passed as well a couple years ago but very devoted catholic she was really against cannabis as well for a very long time and then i started getting her to use this the creams and the oils on her topicals type of things and some of the cbd drops and she didn't realize that cbd was a component of the plant and when they told her she was like i can't believe this is marijuana basically she was like this is she's been very much against it most most of her life so it was really neat to see those transitions but when it happens in your own family and it really helps them Oh man, you go really hard for the plant. You're like, man, this really helps people. And if you can change those type of mindsets from just education and then they try it and it works for them, it's it's a game changer in your own right, especially if you are an advocate yourself or you really want to go out there and change lives. You need to, yeah, you need to see things like that, even close to the, the lived experience. All right. And so that's one generation. And you're also the mom. How old are your kids now? My son just it, it turned 18 and my daughter is 11. Oh, okay. So you got kind of a range. And again, there's like, so what do they know about cannabis? What was, was there a transition moment? Did they know more than you? Like, how did this conversation work? And like, again, the moms are changing the conversation because we're literally changing the next generation. So what do they know and how does this work in your life and all that? Yeah, I, well, I, like I said, I've been in it almost 10 years now. We're basically pioneers. So I've had a little time to to make sure that they're educated on that. I didn't wait till my son was 18 because by now I go, this is a joint. <laughs> right. Like, yeah, I know I got one. You don't know. <laughs> so it's too late. You don't, you, I wanted to be ahead of it. And I, I did get this question from like moms that were friends of mine. Like, oh, what do you tell your kids about this? And I'm like, be honest with them. When you drive down the strip and you see alcohol and liquor campaigns, what do you tell your child? Like, it's the same. Any, I actually tell, tell my kids that it's, it's an herb, it's a plant, it's, it's medicinal, it helps people. But like anything, you can abuse almost anything. You can eat chocolate, overconsume chocolate. Like, right. anything isn't taken responsibly, it can be bad for you, and including prescription drugs and so I gave many examples of this and tell, and explained to them why people will say it's a drug as opposed to something that helps people. And that's why. And so just educating. I don't know word funny, like, like a drug, but like a drug is a drug, like an aspirin is a drug, I guess. I, I guess this idea of like what you use, what you mean by that word drug. And I love that you say it's a plant. So again, growing up, I didn't know what it was. I didn't have any foundational information of like where this thing came from. All I knew is it was going to fry my brain or whatever we were told. So it's very frightening. But to to understand what uh, she's a plant, 
the bud's a flower, like very pretty, smells sticky, whatever, gooey, actually you see it. And then when you let it dry, it has an impact on our body and it smells, whatever. it's just like, that's a whole different understanding than this is a drug that's like some mysteriously pulled out of the air and appears and it's going to kill you. That's just a really different understanding of how it works. Right. But And that's why I use that when I explain it, like, this is why they say it's a drug because of this xyz but he, what it really is is this and anything you do and you don't do responsibly can be negative so and i tell my children that kids can use it if it's for medicinal reasons like and i give them an example of seizures and things like that and then but i'm like but if you're not using it for that then you need to wait till you're not an adult to to experiment with this or to use it for whatever reasons you feel you might need to. So I do that. I don't I don't run from it. I never did. I just know it's all about education. It's about your messaging, how you relay it to your children. And the kind of, yeah. And again, so what do you tell? So again, this is like this whole thing. When I was growing up, I, I could be a wine mom and be proud of it. Like talk about it really, literally. But we <laughs> it's poison. So how do you talk to other kids? How do you talk to moms? Like I'm sure there's still some judgment. Your daughter's only eleven. So it's been her whole life. So have you ever encountered a mom who just really wouldn't listen to you or thought that you are dangerous or, yeah, have you ever had to deal with that? <laughs> yeah, no, I, I hate it because if they do, they don't say it. Okay. Uh, at least not to me. Not to your face. They're like, what are you going to do? Remove a staple for me? I don't, I'm going to hit, I'm going to take you down with a joint holder. Okay. No, don't talk bad about my place. Anyway. <laughs> well, yeah, I, I, it's just been, for the most part, I don't go out there saying to every parent, on a play date that, you know, what I, all my business and what we do every day, because I don't want them thinking we're irresponsible. We're just leaving stuff all over the house. People tend to have those ignorant thoughts. It's like, same as alcohol. It's like, do you leave open bottles all over the house? Like it'd be the, it's no, it's, it's no different, but I, I, I really just don't have those conversations unless someone comes to me with it. And then that's what I tell them. I'm like, that's how you talk about it. That's what you do. So have you got to any, like, have you, I always want to do this. I'm too out of it. The the PTA meetings. Have you ever had any PTA meetings where you actually could talk about this with moms in a group? Has this ever happened? Is this happening at any level? No, but I'll tell you, I wanted to do a taste testing with some edibles. All them PTA moms be over my house. Oh, the drinks. They would love the beverages. Love it. And they do. Everyone loves it. That's what I joke around. I got a church a hundred of course a thousand yard feet that way but you know the shit the whole congregation come half the churches over across the street and my place so my point is it's like everybody does this from your pastor all the way down to your grandmother and all in between and uh, and there's nothing wrong with it and uh, to be honest if anybody did have that judgment and a mom i don't want her daughter come to my house anyway or son hey man yeah that's true all right so obviously, you guys are really closed-minded people, individuals, and hey, you might be dangerous for me. Exactly, <laughs> exactly, exactly. So, All right, let's get a couple more questions, a couple more minutes. All right, women in the industry. My joke is I only talk to women on the show, so when I meet men, I'm like, oh my God, there are men here too. So what do you think is maybe the greatest advantage women have in this industry? Again, you're a woman of color who runs around dispensary. I have a couple of women out here who have their own dispensary. I've seen what a struggle it's been. On top of everything else, I mean, we talk a lot about capital, but what are you seeing? And maybe Vegas is the same problems as everyone else, I assume. You know what? I've never been asked what's the biggest advantage a woman has. I've always been was how if this is such a disadvantage. I never had to think about that, to be honest, because there's 
such a disadvantage. But again, like we have different leadership skills. I would say, you know, this for my personal, I talk to women all the time. Again, I talk about this as an industry that should be built by caregivers. We have an opportunity to build an industry that doesn't look like every other industry because all the business rules are made up, but the capital seems to be pushing people out of this. And I know women, like we're an entire generation of women who did everything. Like we exist, we should be running this. So the women I'm talking to, and I'm sure you're doing the same thing, are doing things a little bit differently. They're using their vulnerability as a leadership style skill that helps build community, making these micro stories that actually change hearts and minds. I don't know. Tell me your secret sauce. What are you doing that's working for you? What do you think helps? I think it helps to be vocal about the process and what it takes and to help other people because of your experience. Sharing that experience, I think, helps because people can relate to you. You know, they also see that you've been able to do it and then they feel like they can do it. It inspires people to get into the industry and to work together. Mm -hmm. So I think that has been my secret sauce is getting out there talking about it because a lot of people do ask that like why do you do this i don't get paid to come out here advocate i don't i don't get paid to sit on the cannabis compliance commission board as as advisor none of that it's just it's really to to help inspire and uplift and get this right to the next person so they don't have to struggle like i did it was very difficult to get into this industry it's hard to stay in it it's hard to navigate through all the sharks in the waters and everything else. And the government is learning on your back. They're learning from you and you don't have anyone in front of you. So you're constantly setting a, the pace for everything and all the mistakes that they make, you would suffer for. So as we're going through this, I think the biggest thing for me as a woman is just being out there being able to, to communicate this and, and talk to people and advocate for and and advocate for the, for women and, and and minorities that that may want to try this so they have a, a better shot and that's it I think that's the bottom line that's what keeps me keeps me going and again you are giving it's a giving thing again we talk about caregiving this plant is a caregiver we're trying to build this industry in her image and you're giving to your community and again not to be at all religious, but giving is kind of selfish because you're giving of yourself and you get so much more. I mean, it's literally our job in life to be out there to, I don't know, give what we it may never seem like enough, but you're doing a lot for your community. You're trying to heal them. You're giving them this opportunity to see the world in a different way. And you seem to be getting paid back for it by people supporting you. So that's, I don't know, that's really powerful. That's a hundred percent correct. I think the reason we are successful is because we never lost sight of any of this. And, and it's true, truly passion. When you're not coming from a place of extreme greed, where you don't really care about anyone but your own greed that comes in, it will show. People know it. And they they don't support that at the end of the day. They'll, they support people who are really in the in the trenches with them. And, uh, and we are. So that's and it's really. And again, you're, again, I see this across the board. These powerful women pioneers, they are becoming the people they needed. Like, again, you're, you're, you exist because you needed this person and sort of across the board, this is what you're doing. And your missions are all for education and engaging with your community and making this industry look different. But there's a lot of pushback and there's just a lot of pushback. I see it across the board, but you're still doing it. So thank you. What do you think? Vegas, <laughs> five years from now, what do you think the Vegas cannabis scene is going to look like? Do you think any of the regs are going to be like lower? There's going to be more opportunities. Do you think there'll be more la what do you think is going to happen in Vegas? Are you going to become Amsterdam? Or <laughs> I think 
think we'll we'll grow. We're already expanding, like we said, to the consumption lounges. We're looking at event licenses, things like that. I think Las Vegas will be a leader in the industry to some degree because we're keep we keep moving things along. I think we need a lot of work in this inclusion and diversity right. area, like everyone in in the country. So we're not leading there. But we are leading and and setting up this structure, rolling out, taking the chances, and just getting things moving along in the industry. So I think we're we're gonna you're gonna see Vegas grow. I think there's gonna be more licenses, more dispensaries. I don't think we'll quite be Amsterdam because I think we are a little tight still. Like they are super regulated here, so they're not just like free for all like Denver or something like that. So I think it'll still be a great market, one of the best markets to be in because they'll still have um, a limit on certain things, but it will be as tight probably as it is now. Hopefully that's at least the goal. And uh, yeah, just come on out to Vegas and come stop by Top Notch, the health center and support us if you're ever out in town. Because who knows from one year to the next, this industry changes all the time. It's because once again, it's it's because it's a new industry. They're still trying to figure out a lot of things, the government and people, and how to succeed in this. When you're in business with the government, because that's our partner, that's our literally, that's our partner. That's who you get half your money to. So when you... No, um, no joke. Not even a joke. Not at all. <laughs> like, you can think about, you can name all the partners you want to, that you went into, but you not, don't forget the government. And, and he's a bigger partner than the ones you're sitting next to. So... <laughs> He pretty much is like the controlling part. So when you look at it that way, um, and hopefully we won't be as tight here, but I think we keep moving things along. It'll be a great market here to, to consistently be into. All right. And someday it will be descheduled. Who knows when, but someday. All right. So what's the best way, Kima, if people want to reach out to you, want to connect with you, if they're in Vegas, they want to meet you, what's the best way to reach out? Well, I have a website, KimaOgden.com. You can go there. I just house a lot of the articles and times that I go out and speak and things. So you can kind of follow me on that. Just go to my website, all my, my Instagram and Facebook handles and all that stuff is on there. So that'll, that'll help people kind of support me and my mission to get information out to people so they can make better business decisions. They can decide to go into this or not. They can they list all the things they, they, they need to, to go into it or whatever else or how to support organizations that are really trying to make change. Excellent. Awesome. And that's always in the show notes, on the show notes. So again, thank you, my friend Kima Ogden. That was a wonderful conversation. I really enjoyed it. And that's from my guest and my canna bro, David Jazz. And of course, our Canna Mom Show team, another show. I want to thank you for taking the time to listen to the Canna Mom Show, where we are on a mission to enhance the impact women have on the emerging cannabis industry by sharing and preserving their stories of love, kindness, wisdom, and hope. Thank you for following and sharing the stories of these amazing women. So together, we can crush the stigma around cannabis and caregivers. I'm your host, Joyce Gerber. This is the Cannamom Show, and we are a production of Pod 617, the Boston Podcast Network. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. I'm Josh Kincaid, Capital Markets Analyst and host of your cannabis business podcast, The Talking Hedge, and newest member 
on PodCon X. So come on over and check out the Talking Hedge. We talk about business news, interviews, investments, events, all that stuff. So come nerd out with me over at the Talking Hedge. You can find me at the Talking Hedge podcast.com or on all your favorite podcast platforms. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe, or don't, and I'm out.